Welcome to the Media Will Eat Itself podcast. Unhindered by sponsored messages and adverts, we're delving into the minds of real people in real situations, talking about topics that affect our daily professional lives. There are no celebrity interviews here, but what we lack in star power, we make up for with the thrills and spills of what it's like to work in modern media. Today, we're talking to business analyst Guy Schoen. He's the man behind Explain the Market, providing analysis and thought leadership to a worldwide audience of over 50 million people on a regular basis. Like me, you may catch him on BBC Breakfast as a regular business guest. We're here to find out more. I'm Sean Weston. Let's get on with the show. Guy, thanks for joining me on the podcast. It's good to be here. So what's it like being put on the spot by the likes of Steph McGovern and Ben Thompson on BBC Breakfast? It's a funny thing. It, 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 it's like anything. The stress gets less the more practice you get. Um, but it is, I think, live broadcast TV, the, the real pressure. Uh, well, I think, in fact, I think there's two. I think the, the, the first thing is you can't make a mistake. And being conscious of that, I think, leads to all sorts of strange effects on the body. <laughs> Uh, like what give me give me an example normally you know in the years ago i've been a spokesperson for a corporate entity and you know i've sort of i've been through the um relatively ineffective um traditional media training before where it's all very theoretical you know they they bang on about three key messages and Mm -hmm. you know the emphasis is all on the message of what you're going to say but, I, but I've found that actually the biggest challenge, as someone that, that's, that does a lot of broadcast and, and, you know, certainly in those early days starting out doing it for the first time, is it was nothing to do with the message. You know, anybody can learn a, a corporate message, um, you know, whether it's in three uh, stages or not. The real challenge was the um, overcoming the adrenaline and the um, just horrific realisation that, you know, there are five six seven million people watching yeah and you can't make a mistake you know and um that that i think is the is, is the tough bit because if you're anything like me and, and you know you and listeners may not be I, I might be strangely weird you know unusual but the mind starts doing odd things when it's under that sort of pressure like for example almost flirting with danger I'm sure there is a psychological term for this, which I've just forgotten, but it's sort of almost thinking, well, you know, technically I could look into the camera now and just say anything I wanted, you know, and um, my life would probably be ruined, but maybe, it, <laughs> but maybe for two minutes it would be amusing. You'd be a YouTube yeah. star. You know, it reminds yeah. me of a story. I used to live in, I used to live in Bath, as you, as you know, Guy, and uh, I spoke to a neighbour and said, oh, wasn't it great the, the balloons came over? Do, do, do you ever fancy that one day, a hot air balloon ride? And she said, oh, no. No, not for me. I said, are you afraid of heights? She said, no, I think I'd jump. <laughs> it is. I'm sure I, I'm going to, you know, we'll have to get onto Google and find out what the syndrome <laughs> is. But it, and it's the same thing, isn't it? About sort of thinking, you know, what if I were to just, you know, yeah. throw this, <laughs> you know, laptop across the office right now. Yeah, or, you know, exactly. Things like that. You're building in a lot of background there, but we should really introduce you to, to our listeners and, and say that you are, you're also a regular contributor to Metro. You're on Euronews as well, aren't you? And your background is quite varied because you've actually worked across some of the big names in financial services, haven't you? Yeah, started life as an economist, economic analyst, did the the, the rounds at, at various uh, investment banking companies, financial services companies, 
ended up uh, heading up the research team at Old Mutual Wealth uh, and then had a bit of a, a road to Damascus moment and realized that I wasn't particularly satisfied in a, a, a sort of traditional corporate culture and um, went off and became research director at the Money Advice Service. So we did lots of really interesting uh, research into what makes somebody financially capable and, you know, are there potential nudges and interventions that can help people improve their money habits. Um, so I learned a lot about what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, so the specialism is in business markets generally, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, it's, so we started off in financial services, but then really what we've moved to, what I've moved to now is, is really business as a whole. Mm-hmm. So one minute we're talking about you know, coffee shops in, in, uh, in small towns, the next minute we're talking about uh, inward investment uh, into Africa from, from China. You know, so it's really, really broad, and that's kind of part of the point. Well, that keeps it interesting too, right? So, so this is all a part of your company, which is Explain the Market. Can you tell me why, why you started it? Yeah, I mean, Explain the Market is an economic research business. I'd been a, a researcher, an economic researcher, and a buyer of research when I was in corporate life. So I got a good sense of what worked and what I thought was wasteful. Um, and we work with many of the world's biggest brands uh, on the one hand, and then also many of the world's biggest media titles on the other. So... BBC News, um, all sorts of other, News UK, they all trust our reports and our market analysis to try and explain and demystify economic trends. But then then on the other side, um, as you say, I'm a broadcast journalist too. I've got my own business segment uh, every week on Euronews NBC, which is actually, here's the, the advert, Europe's most watched TV news channel, 50 million people on average watch a day. So a very big and diverse range of people watching. And that sort of means that I'm I'm under pressure to try and make sure that I explain things in a way that is robust and accurate, yeah. but also that's sort of accessible and engaging as well. You can't possibly have your finger on the pulse of so many things at once, can you? What, what kind of Superman are you? I think I think the key. I mean, I don't sleep very much. And, <laughs> uh, I probably I'm forty, almost forty three. Probably won't be too healthy to keep up this sort of <laughs> no. pace. It, it, it is you're going too far into my 50s well, well tell me about that describe the pain points and 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 the rewards of being uh, a researcher the pain points are that i'm never i'm never off you know but i think any anyone who is in charge of their own business their own agency you know freelance journalists probably anybody could um you know w- would would share the same the same challenge i suspect um, it's that particularly with the interactions with the media you know there are no taboo times to contact me you know, if, if it's particularly if it's a breaking news story, you know, anytime, you know, Sunday night at 11 p.m., you know, I, I, I sort of I, what I can't really do is on the one hand say to the, the media, look, you know, I'm your guy when it comes to impartially analyzing business trends. But at the same time, don't phone me on a Sunday night. Yeah, you exactly. Know? You've got to be there. If you say that, you've got to be there. Exactly. Yeah. So that's so that's the, that's that, that's one of that's one of the pressures. The other is, as you say, is is just making sure that I can keep tabs on every possible market and industry. And that is that is tough. You can't really short circuit that. There isn't really a trick for that. You do have to do a lot of reading. Um, but what you can do is start to recognize these sort of big trends and the general traje- trajectory of where things are going, whether it's a consumer trend or an economic, wider economic trend, and get a sense of the almost of the the sort of the characteristics of what's going on 
So, you know, it may be that you have to sort of delve into the detail at a later stage, but generally feel confident that I've got a handle on the broad spectrum of things that are happening in, in most industries. But it does, but it is, you know, it is tough. I spend a lot of time reading and trying to decipher what is, um, what's political and what's uh, fact-based. And that, that, that for me is a big challenge at the moment because everything's become so politicised, both overtly and in a in a less obvious way, and so it's really tough to navigate and get a you know an impartial read on things. Well, that was my next question actually, which was about conducting research in the digital age, and it was going to be how much easier or more difficult it is. And I, I think you'd answer the difficulty is finding out what's real and what isn't, what's true and and, and what isn't. There's a, there's a huge amount of um, over the top euphoria out there about digital versions or supposedly new innovative ways of finding out what people want what their aspirations are what the what the trends are going to be and and, and I've always found that um, the most effective research is to use the most straightforward methodologies available in a really thorough uh, and sort of efficient way and nothing ever really beats that. And I'm constantly uh, being sent things and, you know, people show me, you know, ludicrously overly complicated um, ideas. And, I, you know, I sometimes say to people, if you if you want to find out what people think, then then by far the best thing to do is to spend time with people and ask them, you know, and, yeah. and, and talk to them. Sometimes I think it becomes problematic when we're, 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 we're detached from people we don't really have an intuitive sense of how they feel and and you know what they're interested in, uh, but then we sort of you know we rely on spreadsheets of data to come up with a conclusion. You know, so it's almost like the um, you know the sort of executive sat there saying, "God, I really, really, I really wish we knew what customers thought of this." You know, like, well, you could literally it would take an hour to go and find out. Yeah, you know. I think that's a challenge. I think I think we see it a bit with, um, particularly in industries um, like fintech. I know you and I have spoken about this mm-hmm. at length before, but there is a really worrying disconnect between the businesses and the investors. So this, you know, the, the the supply side crew, and then the general public, and you you see that manifesting in a few different dysfunctional behaviours. I, I would say. One, it, one is the obsession with uh, sort of technical product development. So this is new banks, new um, fin, you know fintech businesses who put a big focus on developing features and applications. And I think part of the reason they do that is because it's much easier to get investment if you say, "I'm going to build a thing." You know, and the investors are great. Or, you know, have you made progress on building that thing yet? And you say, yes, we, here it is. Look, you can see the thing's been built and it's great and it looks like progress and we're testing it next week. So can we please have some more money? Yep, money comes in, great. So you get into a bit of an echo chamber with that. But if you, but, but if you go and talk to the general public, they've never been that interested in technical features. They're still not interested in it. They're, inter- they're interested in what they've always been interested in, which is um, proper competition based on service and price that's you know that that's 80 percent of what they're bothered about but in the industry we sort of have to pretend that that's not the case and that customers are blown over by you know the new interestingly designed debit card they received in the post Mm. in beautifully elaborate uh, eco-friendly packaging 
Yeah. You know, and there are about twenty to twenty-five thousand people, usually based in smart parts of London, who are interested in that, but almost no one else is. Mm. You know, now, now the problem is, is that is sufficient to get people hundreds of millions of pounds worth of investment. So in a way, there's no there's no real incentive to uh, create a real business that has, you know, 10, 20 million customers, you can actually get away with it. And I think that's, that's, that's part of the problem. I think the hope, though, is that once the startup, the fintech startup actually gets going and has enough investment and have, has satisfied the investors in terms of um, creating those those features that perhaps are a little bit shallow, a little bit um, not as important as they should be. But then the startup could go on and, and deliver those uh, services such as helping people with debt, um, helping the customer understand and manage their money better than their previous bank ever did. That's the hope, I suppose, the optimistic side of it. It is the hope. And, you know, I don't want to paint too much of a pessimistic or you know, picture and be, be too cynical. There are all, an awful lot of people who are very close and doing a lot of really interesting good work there's also a problem though a similar problem with this idea of um, helping people get better my, my problem with it is that it, it's it's predicated on the notion that you and I and, and, and all the people that sort of you know work in the media and work in finance and various places that we are fundamentally smarter or better in some way than the people we're trying to educate and no, no, no one puts it in such an obtuse way, but that's really what the whole thing's predicated on. Um, so that we are the best people to encourage other people to behave a little bit more like us. There's very little real evidence for that. You know, if you look at the data, there's no real evidence that I've seen, no strong evidence that people who earn six-figure salaries have any better inherent financial capability than people who earn you know, 15, 20,000 pounds a year and are maybe working two jobs. Yeah. There, are, there are economic structural problems that they've got. You know, they've got less money. Life is in some ways harder. But there's no evidence that their actual skill level is higher. So, so if, I, if I don't have superior skill, why on earth, you know, what on earth makes me think that I'm a good person to tell other people that, that they should behave in a different way? So I think, I think there is some, there's, there's a sort of kernel of, truth in it there's a there's a there's an element of it that's that's useful and positive and people are generally well-meaning my worry is that yet again it's another waste of time it's another project that just sucks in lots of money everybody gets paid we all go on conferences to geneva um agree yeah. with each other <laughs> agree with each other that we're all doing a really great job you know woo, you know uh, did you go to Money is Ace 2019? It was fantastic. Here are some pictures of it. You know, can't wait for Money is Ace 2020. See you there, guys. Mm, you know, yeah. and me meanwhile, the public's completely disinterested in it, and they're entirely right to be disinterested in it. Mm. I think there's a problem. It's it's a there's a real blind spot, and um, it would be great. There are one or two companies out there who are trying to. I think I've recognised that and are trying to um, connect with all sorts of different types of people, you know, a diverse range of people, um, millions of people rather than a few thousand. And I think they're going to have better success because, you know, the, the, I think the key is just to listen to people, find out what they want, and then deliver it. Um, yeah. But I think, I think in finance and technology, we've got a real classical supply-side economics problem at the moment, and it's not biting that hard yet, but I think it might do. 
in which I think more than ever before at the moment, businesses are, are sort of selling what they can sell rather than finding out what customers really want. Oh, this this echoes a conversation I had in in the last episode with Tom Ross. He he runs Design Cuts, and he said that is the thing where where people are sort of look at me, look at me, look at me, instead of saying how can I help you. And you're echoing yeah. exactly the same thing as he said. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Most conferences that I go to are like um, I don't know if you used to watch Nathan Barley in the nineties. No, they're no. like they're, they're like a they're like a Chris Morris parody. <laughs> you know, it's kind of um, when we're getting back to the, you know, people sort of it's absolutely everything you can possibly think of to distract from the core reason why you're there. Mm. You know, it, there's almost a if you ask people, what is the purpose of you going to this conference? What What is the, the, the commercial necessity for you to go there? Mm. Genuinely, we're at the stage now where people almost take offense, you know, and sort of refuse to answer. You know, it's seen as being very much, well, you know, it, it, it's money is ace 2019. Yeah, so it's, it's not a refusal to answer. It's not quite knowing how to answer a question they've never heard before, right? Because, I, because, because many of them probably don't even know. I think that's the problem. So, you know, as you can hear, I'm a little bit, um, it sounds, maybe sounds negative. I don't, it's not my intention. I'm not a negative person, but I think there is... Um, we do need to, and, you know, and I say we because I'm part of it. I can't escape. You know, I worked in financial services for years uh, before I even moved into journalism and, and, and other things. So I can't, um, you know, I have to take some of the blame for it. Uh, and I've been to plenty of these conferences and I've flown to Vegas and spoken at a conference, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think we do need to check in with ourselves and think, you know, the purpose of a business surely is to serve customers and make a profit. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. You know, you look at the Uber valuation or the likely valuation that's coming up you look at um you know zoom you look at uh, pinterest and maybe it's not the purpse of business anymore you know maybe you don't need you're going to get a hundred a hundred billion dollar valuation from making a loss so. yeah all right let, let's come back to marketing then a little bit before before the clock runs out on us how do you market your own business i'm quite lucky is it is it with those 50 million people on a regular basis yeah, I'm quite lucky in the sense. What, what I try and do is because it's important. It, I've got, I've got to try and keep a, a, a sort of barrier of integrity between the journalistic work that I do and the research that we do. And the one feeds the other because when we do research, we keep it impartial. We try and make sure we have all all the all the necessary checks that um, that you, that you need to have. You know, be, I'm lucky in the sense that I'm in the media every week so I don't uh, I don't have an issue with um, sort of doors opening and getting conversations with you know chief execs and, and things like that because they're happy to talk to me anyway uh, but I do I do have to figure out um, which businesses might have a research need might want to investigate things a bit differently so so I'm kind of um, I don't need to push that hard you know we, we were talking recently about this that you know i talk to to 50 million people a week but i've got less than 5,000 twitter followers mm. you know, i don't i i'm i'm not um you know i'm a bit weird in that, in that well I, I well we're both weird then because i i don't find it my goal to be on social media is to actually be a part of some sort of community and to you know share things i don't want big numbers of traffic it's not important to me to have you know, 10,000 followers. 
It really isn't. Right. How far do you think we've become distracted or even obsessed business uh, on a business level with getting as much traffic as possible? I, I think we've been distracted in the same way that we've been distracted with conferences, this obsession with flying around the world to go to these events. I, th- I think it's the same distraction. And I th- but I think people suffer more with the social media piece. I mean, if someone, if someone, I mean, it's happened to me, if someone tells you to go and, or invites you to go and speak at a conference in the States, usually they'll pay for your flights and they'll give you a modest fee and people will be shocked how low the fee is, I think, uh, on top of it. But so at least you're getting your costs covered to some degree. Um, but if you, the chasing the social media thing, it, I think it, it's a problem because I know plenty of people who've got over 100,000 followers on Twitter who are absolutely skint and really, despite that, find it hard to get conversations with people um, who've got access to capital and influence. So you create a sort of virtual world where um, it's really hard. And people, you know, a lot of the people I see who are at these conferences every week, they look exhausted. You know, they they (laughs) look like they're absolutely killing it. And And they have this sort of, they put this smile on for the photos and they're always talking about how great it is to be there. And I sort of, in a way, think, God, you're, you're really suffering because you're not converting this into income for you and your family, uh, revenue to, to create a real business. You're just, you're just exhausting yourself. And the only success you get is that you've got a very large number of people following you on, on Twitter. I also think the influencer model, which is a bit of a cringy expression, I think is, um, is going to start dying soon. Why do you say because that? Because I, because I just think people are starting to realise that it's, in a way, a distraction. You know, that of course it's possible to get return on marketing investment with social media campaigns. Of course it is. And I don't think that's going to change soon. But, but this idea, I mean, I, I've, I've, been, I've done it. You know, I've been, I won't mention the brand, but I've been um, a few years ago sent to the States to go and um, when they described me as an influencer, and I sort of sat in like a sort of almost like a sort of animal pen with the 15 other influencers they'd also brought from various parts of the world. Uh, you know, and we got paid, so I'm not complaining, but we were, we, were, we were then told that we had to sort of watch all the conferences that were going on mm. and um, just aggressively tweet out things about the conferences. And, and the, pro- the problem with it is I, don't, I think people see through it, you know, because you can't, you can't lie, but at the same time you've got to be positive. So you just end up tweeting things that just are absolutely meaningless, you know, and they normally start with great, you know, <laughs> great to be at so-and-so, yeah. great to be here, you know. I'm guilty of that well, myself, yeah. I've done well, it so am I, you know, so am I. I'm not, yeah. I, I'm not immune from it. It's I, almost I, I a language, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost yeah. a language we've learned through osmosis a lot of the time. And, we, and, well, the and other one, well, the other one is, um, you know, so humbled to receive this award. Uh, yes, yeah, so the one not, not, not so humbled that you didn't go to the effort of you know creating a picture Entering uploading it, it onto and, social media and so, and so, on. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. not so so clearly not that humbled you know no. so i think i think we're going to move to a position where the excitement and euphoria over social media centric influencer style marketing i can't see that's got much life left in it it's already it's all it already feels a bit cringy i think and i think people at the moment both politically and from the media are looking for something they can trust something that's real yeah something that's fact-based and you know has some substance behind it 
So I think I think it's under threat from you know from that trend too. Well, I'm I'm writing. I'm halfway through an article at the moment that I'm that I'm writing for my own blog, and it's a, it's about coming back to the social side of social media, moving away from it having become commercial media, um, because I think we've forgotten how to engage even as as a business. Never mind an individual. Do you agree with that? Why do you why do you think that has happened over time? Is it the inevitable machine just taking over? I think one of the problems is that is that I don't think you I don't think you can ever get too far from the recipe that makes people want to connect with other people and do pe- and do business potentially with other people is really not got that much to do with technology. You know, you want people who you like, who you trust who you've seen and experienced some of the skills that they've got and you know that they can be effective. Um, I don't really think that's changed too much. I think part of the problem with the self-promotion on social media, I mean, social media has become really about two things, self-promotion on the one hand and judgment of others on the other. There's almost nothing else that exists on there other than those two things. Yeah. And, 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 the, and the problem, with, I mean, there are so many problems with that, but I think people just don't like, no one likes that. I mean, I, I'll give you an example. What, what I do on social media, which a lot of people have criticized me for, uh, told me that I'm under leveraging or some consultancy term, you know, what I do and I ought to be doing. I mean, I pretty much, there'll be one or two tweets about, you know, the dog ran off today, you know, or, you know, why, why do the kids get too much homework, which, you know, are not, skillfully curated and timed to go out at the right time i'm just i just i'm watching telly or something and i just think of it and then the majority are just you know i did a radio show this morning you know these are the things i'm going to be discussing on the on the on the radio show this morning you know tweet me if if you've got a view on it Mm. um this this is what this is a clip of the show last night let me know what you think and that's pretty much it and part of the reason I, i do that is i'm a bit embarrassed to do much more than that because I know people see through it, because I see through it in others. And I sort of think, I'll do a little bit of it. Of course, I want people to see it and say, oh, wow, he's great. Let, let's fly him to, to the States and he can host his own show, you know, or yes, we, we'd really love to do a huge project with Explain the Market. Of course, I want that to happen. But I feel that putting myself out there a little bit, you know, and saying to people, look, I think I'm quite good. Here are my skills. You have a look at what I'm doing. Doing a little bit of that is fine, but if I do too much of it, I just feel embarrassed. Yeah. Although at the same time, you know, you, you are hoping to, to get something from it, but you're you're more likely to because you're offering uh, a truth. Uh, you're you're more real than the fakery that, that goes on. So the, that little that you're offering seems genuine. There's there's something genuine I, about it. Yeah, I don't think I'm not trying to claim any sort of you know moral superiority. Uh, a, a, about you know about this but i just i think by hopefully being a little bit more straightforward about things then maybe you know may, maybe that maybe people you know uh, sort of con- connect with that I, I certainly think people are the very very contrived stuff i think people are getting a little bit a little bit tired of and could you could you give an example of of that sort of contrived sort of content i'll put you on the spot that's unfair but I suppose yeah, that there are so many examples, aren't there, on on, on social media of, of people who've made it big, sort of the uh, the Tony Robbins style of of you know, listen to me, I'm I'm the guru. I think I think on this the the guru stuff I think is a really interesting topic. So 
I am someone who has, um, at various points in life, taken a lot of, um, got a lot of value out of people who are extremely skillful at providing generic encouragement, hmm. right? So I would say uh, Tony Robbins, that guy, Gary V. Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk, yeah. Gary Vaynerchuk. There's a whole list of people, and they are undoubtedly masterful at the art of providing what I would call generic encouragement. Mm. They're richer than me. I think they've got, in certain senses, better communication skills than I've got. You know, I'm not for a minute trying to sort of run them down in any way. What I would say is the problem comes when they start to try and describe what they do as being more than just generic encouragement. And that and that then becomes a problem, you know. And, and one of the problems is that it, it, I find is is the concrete certainty with which they um, provide advice. Mm. I think that is problematic for a number of different reasons, because I think it, it's 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 unrealistic. You know, there is there there are um, the smartest people I know, the people with the the, the real sort of battle-hardened life experience folk that I would go to for advice aren't concrete certain on many things, you know, because they understand that life is complex and human beings are illogical and complex. And so things that are, that are difficult can't be solved with glib, alliterative, sort of bullet point lists of things, yeah. you know. I think that's the problem is I absolutely, you know, but, but I'm not, I'm not completely anti that stuff because, you know, I've got it myself, you know, when you, when you essentially spend a lot of time working on your own and you do stuff where you're, you're, you're putting yourself out there and you're, you know, you're thinking, Oh God, you know, that I didn't get a, I've got a, I've got a slightly ambiguous email from the producer this morning. You know, I wonder if they were unhappy with what I said on the show, you know, sure, oh, you know. Yeah. so we all feel insecure and need encouragement and, and, and I, I get a great deal of value from those sorts of things but it's when you get people saying i tell you what you need to do with your linkedin strategy yeah. anyone that doesn't do this you know you're a fool because you need to do i then think okay great well don't tell me that tell me what you did what type of business did you set up what what type of investment did you set it up with how do you currently make money you know, explain these things to me. There's a very big difference between being encouraged and being told what to think and having our opinions formed for us. Yeah, the other the, the other area that, that 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 we get that a lot of the moment is is in is with politics. I, I can remember in the in the late '90s. I don't remember who it was. It could have been Tony Blair was talking about. You know, young people are not interested in politics. You know, we need to get people more interested in po- politics, more politically active. I think we've got to a point now where there's too much politics and we use that as an excuse to be incredibly judgmental about other people and people that we don't really know very, very well. Mm. And we're desperately trying to sniff it. You know, we try and sniff out which, you know, which club do you belong to? You know, in the way that he answered that question, I think, I think he must belong to the bad guys club. He must do because, you know, he, he, he didn't seem to, you know, and it's kind of, it create it, it's it's a sort of infantile way i think of viewing the world and yeah. it's and it's become a bit of a disease on, on on social media and i i went to a thing i did a tv show and i had lunch with one of the guys he was on the show with it was kind of like a a sort of late show style thing with people sat around a table talk debating things we were talking about um uh, whether gdp is a useful measure you know things things like that it's quite mm-hmm. a sort of serious show 
And one of the professors I was on the show with, we, we went for lunch um, afterwards, and he was absolutely livid with me. He was furious. I mean, he was almost, he almost left the restaurant because he was furious that, that, that as he put it, I wasn't picking a side. You know, and he was saying to me, I've seen the stuff that you've read, you know, one minute you do stuff for the Daily Mirror, the next minute you do stuff for the Sun. You know, you need to pick a side. You need to pick a side. This, you know, and I thought, no, I don't. No, you don't. No, no. I don't. He wanted I you to be tribal. He, he, yeah, and yeah. I thought, we're all downgrading ourselves, I think, by, by doing that. I know plenty of people who are smarter than me and arguably are better citizens than me who have a left of centre political viewpoint. I know plenty of people who are smarter than me and are better citizens than me who have a right of centre political viewpoint. It, it's, it's, it's a nonsense that the most important thing about us is, you know, a sort of caricature of our, of our politics. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think people, people are gradually going to get sick of this. You know, I think the, the problem with social media is just because people see it and listen doesn't mean they're impressed you know and that's and that's i think that that's part of the problem and and i think part of the problem is is as much as someone as loud as they talk and as often as they talk doesn't mean they're impressive correct Correct. let's let's close the show i'm really i'm really sorry we have have to wind down as usual i could talk forever Uh, uh, putting you on the spot again what advice can you pass on to the new generation of of eager research students perhaps well i would i would say for both research students and for journalists or people go, going to the media, I, I think I, I would I would offer similar sort of advice. What one is um, one is don't be afraid of short sentences. So I had an intern with me recently, and which she was working on the research side, but also the the, the, the sort of media side. And I see an awful lot of tremendously well educated people who just feel that they have to uh, write in long sentences. They have to um, qualify points that they make. You know, you see this a lot with whether, you, whether you're presenting results or whether you're talking at a conference platform or on a, uh, you know, a radio or a TV show. It's human nature. It's very hard to resist. You, know, you make a point and then the ego comes in and says to you very quietly, there are, there are anomalies and ex- or exceptions to the point you've just made. And if you don't explain to everybody that you know that there are, they might think that you don't know that there are. Yeah, that's so, so not to, fair, isn't it? <laughs> so you be, so you better you better qualify, otherwise they might not think that you're as smart as they are. Yeah. You know, and and actually that typically happens more from conference speaking, um, when you're in a group of people who are industry experts, and you feel you've got I've got to they they need to know that I at least know X and Y, otherwise they won't listen to me. Yeah. I think that's that's a problem. I think. What, what I'm finding is, you know, five, six, seven years ago, if I was doing something for a tabloid newspaper versus doing something for The Spectator or The Economist or, or something, it would be a very, very different approach, very different approach. I did something just over a month ago where in the same week I did something for The Sun and for The Spectator. Yeah. It was almost exactly the same. The tone was different. The, the syntax and the structure were very, very similar. So I think I think we need to be clarity, communicating with authenticity, and trying to strip out what's unnecessary. I think that that would be for me uh, a useful thing to encourage people because they've already got you know by the time people are twenty two, twenty three, 
they're already well educated. You know, they, they know, they know all the big words. They understand the concepts behind what's happening. The challenge more is getting them to kind of not feel they've got to desperately show everybody that at every yeah. opportunity. In other words, don't over-explain the market.com. Just explain the market.com. Right? <laughs> <What> a, <laughs> so, and on that bombshell. On that bombshell. How do we contact you, Guy? You can find me on Twitter. Uh, you know, there's there's only there's less than five thousand of us, but you can be, be more than happy, more than happy I'm to one join. Of them. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, yeah. So uh, just at, at Guy Shown on Twitter. Google me if you want. There's stuff banging around on YouTube and various things. My You're a New Show is on Monday nights at six fifteen UK time. Uh, it's called Talking Business, and it's a short run through of the the biggest breaking business news stories. So I'd uh, be delighted if you if you want to watch that too. Thanks for joining me on the show, Guy. Thanks, mate. That was Guy Schoen. Check out Explain the Market at explainthemarket.com. If you've enjoyed this, please rate and review on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you prefer. And thanks for the messages of support. Your suggestions for potential guests have been interesting so far. Take a look at my own website at seanweston.co.uk for more information about me. In the meantime, stay tuned. There's more to come.